Welcome to the Um Yeah Sports Podcast with John and Chris, where it's unapologetically just about the sports. We're glad you joined us. Let's jump right in. It's the June 15th episode of the Um Yeah Sports Podcast. It's your hump day edition. Happy Wednesday, everybody. The NHL Stanley Cup kicks off tonight, Lightning versus Avalanche, and we've got Game 6 of the NBA Finals tipping off tomorrow night. I'm Chris, and with me, as always, is John. Hey, listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you haven't done so already, please make sure you subscribe and share the show with your friends and family via your favorite podcasting app. Also, we encourage you to head over to umyasports.com, where we curate the best sports news and information from all around the web. We don't just go to those big sites that you're sick of what they have to say. Uh, we go to the local the local sources. We go around. We find the things that are just about the sports, and then we bring it all to you for fans, by fans, John and I, big fans. Uh, and uh, we do all that ad-free and free of charge to you. Please head over to umyasports.com. Also, this show uh, and the website, it's all about you, the fans. Uh, we want to hear from you. We are on Twitter for that purpose, at umyasports. We encourage you to uh, jump on there and uh, let us know you're out there uh, we would love to talk about your favorite team or upcoming matchup so uh, head on over there and we'll we'll see you out there okay let's get into today's show uh, we are going to be spending time in both the NBA and the uh, the NFL uh, we won't be talking too much NHL but as I said the lightning are uh, are kicking off the uh, Stanley Cup against the Avalanche I'm not sure if it's in Tampa or in Colorado uh, but uh, we are looking forward to that one. Go Bolts. Uh, so let's start in the NBA. The Jazz, they've, uh, they've sort of laid out what they're looking for for Rudy Gobert. It's up there on omiasports.com. Is it too much? Is it enough? What are they asking for? What's the deal? They want a star caliber player, a young prospect, and picks. Okay, in so order to get Gobert. <laughs> okay, so all right, so you get a superstar, you get an up and coming, you know, prospect, and draft choices, and some draft choices. That's what they want, so for that you Gobert. can pick into the future. Yeah, all right, so go Jazz. It, it, if someone's you know willing to do that, that's a huge win for the Jazz yeah. because Gobert is not worth you know picks plus a young prospect plus a star player. Maybe a pick and a star, a star young, or not a star player, but a young prospect. Maybe you could get for him. But like I mentioned, I don't think the market's that hot for a guy like Gobert. I don't think that many teams are going to be willing to do it in the first place. But then you add all of this other stuff on top of it, such as you know, a bunch of picks and you know a young star or a, you know a star player. No one's going to want to trade their star player or their you know staple of their franchise to the Jazz just to get a center. I don't think that's the type of player that you build a team around all that often, and I don't think Gobert is that type of player that you build a franchise around. So no franchise is going to be in the right mind going to trade their star player for Gobert to help the Jazz out. But the Jazz are just being, you know, opportunistic here and saying we we know what the situation here is for ourselves. We know we need to add pieces. We know we need to add capital. We need, we need to do all this stuff. And peop, and Gobert is one of the people that are on our team that pe- teams have said they'll be willing to trade for. Let's just test the market out. Yep. But the problem is if you go too high at the beginning, everyone's just going to run home and they're not uh, going to talk to you. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it just sets the, uh, the, 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 uh, the opening level for the discussion. But like they're going to bring it significantly down. I mean, 
a vast majority of that stuff is going to have to fall off their wish list if they want to get anyone even well, close you know to my, conversation. Uh, you know my belief. If you don't ask, you don't get. You don't get. True. So why not ask? I guess it's, be- it's, pro- it's best to start higher as opposed to lower, but I mean try to do something a little bit reasonable just to get the conversation or people's foot in the door and as opposed to doing what they just did. And a lot of executives, uh, which is on the, on the article I posted said that that is way too high and that, uh, a lot of teams are going to be kind of sh- uh, shrinking away from a deal from with the jazz, but it's two sides of one coin. I mean, you can see it as an analyst from both sides. You can see it from the team that wants to trade for, for Gobert, and you can see it from the side of the Jazz. We know the Jazz are in a situation, like we talked about, where they're trying to figure out their identity for the future, and other teams are trying to build on what they have right now. So both of these teams are going to have compo- or uh, conflicting wills and what they're willing to get rid of, but both are going to have to find you know a common ground if they want to get a deal like this done. Um, however... I, I I think they'll probably end up getting a deal done if they're able to work out their differences and bring the, you know the price down a little bit. But at the same time, I don't know if Gobert's the type of player that if I'm a you know a, a GM or an owner of an NBA team, I, I want as my you know leading guy, the leading center on my organization because I feel like there's a lot of holes and things that he needs to work on and get better. And that's part of the reason also why I don't believe he's worth all this because if someone like the 76 just said, okay, we're going to trade Joel Embiid, they could ask for all that because everyone would be like, yes, Joel Embiid would be, or Nikola Jokic or Giannis. One of those guys, they would be, yeah, they could, they could ask for that and that'd be understandable. But Gobert, you just don't think he's that guy at the end of the season last year had a major fall off. And then, in the playoffs, same thing, and we really didn't get anything going. And I think Whiteside's a better center for the Jazz, period, no matter who's on the roster. And I think this is a little more desperation than anything else by the Jazz because they know that either Donovan Mitchell's out the door or Gobert's out the door. They've both said they do not want to play together. They're done. Gobert made that you know abundantly clear. It's either him or me that has to leave. So it's going to be one of those things where now the Jazz has an extra crisis on their hands. It goes beyond the negotiation table to now inner turmoil in their franchise without a head coach to man the ship. So it's going to be a, you know, a long off season for jazz, jazz fans, jazz ownership, especially trying to find a head coach. And you have to wonder if they can't go get Gobert out the door, if that will hurt their head coaching search, not in a way that the media will be able to see, but in the way that the ownership will be able to see. And some candidates will say no, or they just won't finish the process, or whatever the case may be, because of the inner turmoil. Because no coach wants to inherit a team that is in, you know, yeah. disarray. So there's a lot that the Jazz need to work on. But I just thought it was an interesting thing uh, to read that they're expecting so much for him, and I'd be shocked. If someone said, yes, let's do that. We'll give you the young star player. We'll give you the prospects and we'll give you the picks. Let's do it. I mean, I just don't see that happening at this point. Okay. So one of the teams that you mentioned there, um, you know, I don't know that you meant to mention them, but you did, were the 76ers. And apparently they also are uh, entertaining various trade conversations against pretty much the entirety of the team. <laughs> yes. Hey, other so, than James Harden, Joel Embiid. Which right. Is like going so to. we're like, what, we're like just going to kind of do some rebuilding out there, just trying to see what what the market will bear, see what see what they can get? I guess they're just trying to figure out, you know, what you can get for the picks, what you can get for these players. I, I don't get, you know, pretty why, speechless there, buddy. why they're getting, you know, <laughs> why, why they're trying to trade... Tobias Harris, uh, Thibel, Shake Milton, and Danny Green. Danny Green is a player that through the last season, last few seasons has been a you know a staple. Tobias Harris, another great player. Thibel should not be in that consideration. None of those people should even be 
on the consideration of people that you're willing to move after you get rid of uh, Drummond and Curry uh, and and Ben Simmons, all those guys that you just said, okay, goodbye, and we're going to send you to the Nets. Now you have two players, but now you're willing to get rid of everyone? I don't know. What is happening in, in Philadelphia at this point? I mean, why are we giving up at this point? Those, those players are not players you just want to see leave and just you know go to a different team because I believe they go to a different team particularly uh, Tobias Harris and Danny Green, they can go to a franchise. Uh, if And I think teams would be interested in a certain percentage of those players plus the picks uh, because, I mean, what, no team would not be interested in even... They would have to have the conversation with the 76ers if they're that open with all of their players. They look like the Portland Trailblazers out here. And the Portland Trailblazers completely missed the playoffs. And the 76ers were in the playoffs and unfortunately got beat just because Joel Embiid had a pretty bad, you know... Uh, 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 postseason and James Harden didn't play all that great, but now you're going to just send all the other players away. I don't get that because I mean, basketball, it, basketball is not really like any other sport. It's very small number of people that can be right. on your active roster yeah. that you have to be willing to build your roster around one key, one or two key pieces and everyone else just needs to do enough to elevate those few pieces and help them win. That's really what basketball is about. It's about helping your teammate out and getting them to a position to succeed and win. But if you're just going to say, okay, that guy's gone, that guy's gone, that guy's gone, even though these players played well with Curry and Drummond last season and had great success, and now we're just going to be like, okay, that we traded all those guys away, and you know, not really by your doing, but because you know we had an injury and James Harden didn't play that great. We're going to keep those two guys, but we're going to trade the rest of you guys away and see what the interest is. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I, I just I don't like the direction the 76ers are headed in any way, shape, or form. I remember talking to the podcast a couple of a uh, couple of seasons ago. I think it actually was last season, saying I think the 76ers core is great with the guys they put around. I think it's you know a good situation, and they just broke that nucleus apart and shredded everything. And then they're saying, okay, let's you know put the finishing touches on this dis- uh, destructive you know uh, uh, couple of weeks that we've had, couple of months that we've had. And I get it if you're a team that's missing the playoffs. But if you're a team that's making the playoffs, that's the time to get pieces around you that can help you get better. Not destroying everything you have, hoping the pieces that you gain through trades are enough to help you get to a position where you maybe can get to the playoffs next season. That's not really the way you succeed in the NBA. Because like I mentioned, the the lineups and and the amount of guys you have is so small. So honestly... It's just one of those things. I was shocked when I saw that today that, oh, they're willing to trade, you know, the rest of their, you know, players that they've made into a staple on their team and some draft choices. Well, they probably figured they didn't make the finals. So why don't you call the Jazz and and talk (laughs) to them? Because I hear they're interested in, you know, what you're willing to trade. Give old Ryan Smith a call. And you can get yourself a nice Go Bear package and, you know, hope that two centers can win you some basketball games. (laughs) All right. Very good. Okay, I want to talk about one more thing before we leave the NBA and head over to the NFL. Uh, we've got uh, game, what, six? Yeah, game six. I think six. last podcast I made a mistake and said the wrong game. So we got game six coming up uh, tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to talk again between here and there. Any Anything that you would want to comment on related to that, that game before we jump and talk some NFL? Yeah, it's interesting because it's an elimination game because this is the game where the, the, the Warriors – are going to take all the momentum that they've gained through the series and push it into this game and have a tremendous game. 
or the Celtics are going to stand up, become a brick wall, and get to a game seven, and that will be where things get interesting. And if history is any guide, uh, the Celtics have these situations where they're in elimination games, they come out, they play their best ball, and they win, and they get into a game seven. They saw that in the last two series that they had against the Heat and against the Bucks. So it's not that unexpected for them to be in this situation. However, you're now playing in the finals. You're now playing a Warriors team that if you fall off in any quarter, they can have a huge quarter and just dominate you. None of these games have been, you know, that bad for the Celtics or the Warriors. They just had some slip-ups and they're fixing things. It's been a gigantic chess match here where each play, each team and each coaching staff is trying to find the best way to dominate. I believe that the Warriors team is not as well-rounded as the, a, the Celtics team is, but I believe the players that are on this Celtics team or on the Warriors team are the key pieces are better or just as good as the Celtics players. I think the Curry, I think that Jordan Poole, I think that Klay Thompson is starting to come into his own, and I think that Looney are the pieces that are going to have to have big games. Looney's going to have to be able to crash the boards and do a great job getting rebounds. Curry's not going to be able to go 0 for 7 from 3. Jordan Poole is going to have to do what he's been doing in the last game and just dominate. Wiggins, is, I forgot to mention him, but Wiggins is also going to have, to have a big game. Those guys are going to be the players that are going to have to have the biggest game. I don't think Jamon is going to have that big an impact because, yes, he might get chippy, and yes, he might be able to do that, but if they keep him silent, then the stats are, he's not really helping the team. But the Celtics at the same time have to have the best defensive performance they've had. They need to lock down Curry, but at the same time, they can't dedicate all their efforts to that point, and they have to be able to guard the rest of the guys that they have. But the Celtics have had these performances where they come out, and they come out flat, and they struggle shooting the ball, and they struggle getting started. That can't happen. They're going to have to win this game defensively. They're going to have to beat them on defense and offensive rebounds. They're going to have to box out. This goes back to the rebounds, but Looney has to be boxed out. Uh, and just as important is as guarding... Curry is guarding Poole and is guarding Wiggins. Those guys have to be shut down. If they win defensively and they get tons of stops and they get tons of rebounds, that can hold off uh, any kind of dry spells that the Celtics offense is having till they can get hot from there and they can win games. So this next game, this game six, this elimination game is really going to come down to do the Celtics play great defense and do they play great offense, but most importantly defense and is Curry flat to the be- from the beginning of the game? Are they able to defensively lock down Draymond? Oh, not Draymond, but uh, Wiggins, Poole, Looney, and Curry. If they're able to lock down all those guys and make sure they're not having success, but most importantly, getting the rebounds when there are misses, because that's equally as important. Because if they're getting rebounds and they're able to pass it around, eventually this score is going to happen. And the last thing I want to mention here is something I've mentioned or I've said I've not said, but I wanted to mention because I haven't had an opportunity to talk about the Celtics. Um is I think the Warriors have a play that they've done at different times, but is super successful. If they have someone drive down the lane, he usually gets picked up by Williams or Al Horford or Greg, uh, what's the guy's Greg Grant Williams, Grant Williams. Uh, but if they're able to have a guy like Draymond or Looney or Wiggins next to them, kind of sitting in that, in that lane right outside the paint, they're usually able to pass the ball out and they're usually able to score from that having two guys there because the Celtics struggle because they're, you know, the the, uh, the guardian of the paint, which is some, most of the time Robert Williams is trying to get up for the block. And by the time he gets back down, the ball is already out of the driving player's hands and into the help player. And by that time, the you know, the point's going to score. And every time the Warriors did that, 
or a vast majority of the times that they did that, they've had success. So I think they need to go back to that and work on that because that's really when they're going to going to be able to dominate. But those are the keys to success that I really see. I've been watching all these games uh, very closely, watching the replays and everything. And that's really the only way I can tell this thing comes to an end tomorrow. But if not, in Game 7, that's anyone's bet. I mean, I predicted the Celtics would win the whole thing. But at that point, if they're both tied in Game 7... Either team can come out flat. Either team can come out strong. If they both play at top-notch potential, which is usually what happens in Game 7s, it could end like the Heat's game ended where the, it just came down to a last-second yeah. miss. Yeah. So it's going to be really interesting. I love the ending parts of game, of, uh, of the NBA Finals, of any Finals, actually, because I like the like when it kind of comes to fruition. So we got almost with Game 7. I'd like to go to a Game 7, but I'd like it even more if the Celtics win. So okay. it'll be fun. All right. Let's jump over to the uh, the NFL. Particularly, we're going to talk quarterbacks. We're we're uh, creep dog. We're creep dog in our quarter quarterbacks. Quarterbacks. We're creep dog in our way to the twenty twenty two twenty twenty three NFL season. That's pretty exciting. Yes, sir. Cannot wait. Uh, cannot wait for that. Um, but uh, we've got two teams that have quarterback competitions going on. Uh, one of those two teams uh, is pretty unhappy with what they've seen, what they're seeing, uh, and uh, and maybe looking to go get them some Baker Mayfield. And of course, I'm talking about the Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers, yes. Yeah. So if- let's start there. The other team I'm talking about is the Steelers. Steelers. They have a three-way competition going. Um, there as well. Uh, and so, but let's start with the Panthers and their situation. Are they going to go get Baker? Is Baker finally going to go get a starting job in the NFL for this upcoming season? Well, there's urgencies, urgency by the Panthers to get Baker Mayfield, which probably means that the quarterbacks, uh, Sam Darnold and uh, Matt Corral are struggling. I mean, why else would you have urgency to get Baker Mayfield, who yep. has a humongous contract that comes with them? And the Browns are usually or have not historically been willing to take that contract and help the team that's trying to trade for him out. However, I think that at this point the Browns are a little nervous because no one's trading for him, so they're gonna have to cut him or keep him. And at that point, I feel like you have to make the hard decision to help a little bit with the contract. However, that use that means for the Carolina Panthers, something's going on inside the organization. And we saw last season with Matt Rule and how the rumors were he was going to get fired after one season and he's on the hot seat. He was able to come back for season two. They had a terrible end to the last season where they started out really hot and everyone's like, oh, wow, uh, Sam Darnold is you know coming back. And then they crashed. Uh, and then most recently, um, Robbie, Anderson, Robbie Anderson, I think that's right, uh, said he wants to retire and then deleted that post. So there's something going on within the Carolina organization that is forcing them to be urgent about this and trying to get this move done. Because I think in a lot of ways, I think if this season's a failure, I think the coaching staff could be, you know, cleaned out. I think quarterback, there could be a lot of cuts there. I think this, this is a season that it seems to me has a lot of weight attached to it for this Carolina team. And in a lot of ways it could be, you know, a a sink or swim for a lot of coaches and a lot of the players in this organization. So, I think the reason there's urgency to get this thing done is because I don't think Sam Darnold is the quarterback for the future for this team. Uh, I think Matt, uh, Matt Carell is going to be a couple years out before he could be a starting quarterback because obviously he's a rookie and he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, no one does when they're coming into the NFL. They need time and they need to wait. So it seems like they could go after Jimmy Garoppolo, but it sounds like Seattle is the most logical place for him to go, which is another team that's in a terrible position with the quarterback position. Uh, But I mean, honestly, 
I feel like there's more than meets the eye with this Carolina team. And I believe there's something going on at the core of it that they're trying to, you know, try to purge to try to get this team into a good situation and get to a good rhythm and a flow. But it just seems like something is there is a wall of some sort that they can't get by. And it might not just be the quarterback that they need to fix. There might be more that they need to, you know, change for this team. But it's weird for them to, you know, start out so strong last season and then just tank off that they need to fix it. Otherwise, I believe the Carolina Panthers will look like a completely different ball club come uh, next offseason. Okay, Steelers. Yeah, I think I read an interesting article on it that said that... um, Is this the uh, article that's up there on um, umyassports.com? Just a little shameless plug. Yes, yes, it is. Okay. Uh, but um, it, it was talking about, uh, gosh, uh, who's the Steelers coach? Coward or something? Uh, so, 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 uh, that was their, that was their old coach. Yeah, old coach. It was yes, before Mike, Tom- the Mike Tomlin era, um, we were in the Bill Coward yeah, right. era. So he was, uh, he went on a podcast to talk about uh, the Steelers situation and their quarterback competition, and he said it's impossible to give three quarterbacks the n- amount of reps that are necessary to have a legitimate quarterback competition between Got three it. football players. Yeah. He said he tried it. It doesn't work. So the, what people are now uh, suspecting from that and from the fact that Trubisky got all of the starting reps uh, in, in, you know, OTAs and mini camps as a starting, qu- as a starting quarterback, basically working at the, the starting unit and all that. It seems like he's the front runner for the job. It also feels like uh, Mason Rudolph is not really in the conversation for for that starting job, and the the article does a good job of laying that that out and talking about why that the case why that's the case. But the gist of it just basically said Mason Rudolph w- was behind Ben Roethlisberger before Mitchell Trubisky was grabbed and before they drafted and got uh, Kenny Pickett. And so when you add two more guys into that layer, and then you give the guy that you just traded for huge sum of money and you traded for him to get him over and you give him the starting kind of job or you kind of give him the starting unit in practice it kind of feels like and it kind of points to the fact that mason rudolph is not really in this competition and is so far back he really can't get the job it also feels like trubisky is far in the lead and that kenny pickett's probably sitting in that starting spot and it would be hard for him to get you know that uh, first place spot and will probably be sitting there as backup and honestly from the beginning that's what i thought because why else would you trade for Trubisky if you were not suspecting that he would be number one on your lineup, right? Because Mason Rudolph was already there and he was waiting. He was sitting there and everyone thought he was going to be the guy. And then all of a sudden you add two more guys on there. And now that you say there's a quarterback competition, but if you peel back the curtain a little bit and you look at it from a, um, from a different standpoint than what they're telling you to think. And there's a bunch of different regions, region uh, reasons why, uh, a team would tell you that there's quarterback competition when there's not. Um, but one of those reasons is to throw the other teams off their trail, try to not be able to give them extra, you know, hints on what they're actually trying to do. You know, there's tons of reasons, but honestly, I think if you trade for a quarterback and then you give them all these perks in train, uh, in training camp and in OTAs, no training camp, I'm sorry, but mini camps and OTAs and all that stuff. And you let them work with your starting unit. That usually points to the fact that you have faith in this or you trust this guy mm-hmm. to be the starting quarterback. So does that mean that uh, Rudolph will never be able to get that starting job? No, but I feel like the Steelers don't have a whole lot of trust that he could actually do something. Um, so honestly, I think that quarterback competition is nowhere close to how hot the, the Carolina Panthers one is. 
if I'm Baker Mayfield, I think I'd be a little bit nervous about going over to the Carolina Panthers right now with everything that's going on, and you could take a lot of the heat from it. They usually try to pawn a little bit of the heat off on the quarterback, so there's a question there. But in this situation, I feel like it's already been decided. Now they're just dragging their feet, and then they'll wait to help after preseason, after training camp, and then they'll be like, okay, we finally figured it out after a bunch of hours of you know watching film and blah, blah, blah. We figured out that this is going to be the quarterback. But in my opinion, and what I'm predicting, come game one of the season, the Steelers will have Trubisky as the starting quarterback. That's not to say that at the end of the season, it could be Kenny Pickett because he overcomes the, the, you know, Trubisky because Trubisky maybe t- uh, falls off a little bit or whatever case may be, or they're just putting Trubisky in there until Kenny Pickett gets ready. Not saying that's not be the case, but in my opinion, Trubisky will be the starting quarterback in game one. Okay. All right. That's it. That's it for today. We've got a we've got a Stanley Cup yes sir game to go get on to and then we got, you know, the Warriors and the Celtics to think about. So, yes, much to do over the next couple of days. Fans, uh, listeners, thanks for listening. Uh, we appreciate you. If you could share the podcast uh, with your friends and family, that'd be awesome. If you could subscribe, that would be awesome. We appreciate you and we'll catch you on Friday. Talk soon.